0: Good evening, I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to your Maryland. As the year 1816 rounded into a soft English summer, Arthur Wellesley, Duke of Wellington, was the most popular man in Europe. Despite his brusque manner and disdain for small talk, his exploits against Napoleon in Spain, and more recently at the Great Battle of Waterloo, had made him honored and welcomed everywhere he went. Women adored his lean and rugged good looks, his close-cropped brown hair and piercing blue eyes. Married to a woman he respected but didn't really love, The Duke sometimes returned their interest, though he was always careful to keep his discretion and his balance. But at the end of June everything changed. The occasion was a London dinner party, and the presence there of a young American woman. Mary Ann Patterson was the eldest of four daughters of Richard and Mary Caton, and the granddaughter of Charles Carroll of Carrollton, signer of the Declaration of Independence, and perhaps the country's only millionaire. Accompanied by her husband, Robert Patterson, and two of her three sisters, she'd come to London to escape the stifling Chesapeake summer, which greatly aggravated her asthma. The women had arrived the week before, armed with letters of introduction from the British ambassador. After running a handsome carriage, they'd left a flurry of calling cards with prominent butlers. Dinner invitations followed. Though her sisters, Bess and Louisa, were lovely, Marianne was thought by many to be the most beautiful woman they'd ever seen. What's more, at a time when the British regarded Americans, especially those from Baltimore, with undisguised hostility, and when American women were thought to be uncultured and dull, Marianne's conversation sparkled. After all, the Caton girls had met a great many of their country's prominent men at her grandfather's estate, De Horrigan. They'd listened to speeches from the Senate gallery, and danced late into the night in Washington ballrooms. They were wealthy, socially accomplished, and wise in the ways of politics. Only one man in British society impressed them. That was Wellington. When the Duke encountered Marianne at dinner, he may as well have been struck by a thunderbolt. During the dancing that followed, she couldn't exert herself because of her asthma, so he gave her his arm and walked with her through the evening. People noticed. Months later, when his duties drew him back to Paris, the sisters followed suit, and on meeting him again, asked if he would take them to Waterloo to see where the great battle had been fought. The day was a gloomy disaster. The battlefield, where 30,000 men had fallen, resembled a macabre country fair. Souvenir hunters scoured the grounds. Vendors hawked bullets, insignia, bits of uniform, and old bones. The Duke could barely speak. Marianne was crushed. The sisters returned to London and resumed their conquest of society. Wellington called on Marianne every day, and even had his portrait painted as a gift to her. In return, she gave him a miniature of herself. There's no question they were in love, but both were married. Then, in 1822, Robert Patterson, who'd gone back to Maryland on business, contracted cholera. Marianne went home to nurse and finally to bury him. Eighteen months later, on her doctor's orders, she returned to England, and in October 1825 remarried to Wellington's brilliant older brother Richard, the Governor General of Ireland. By that time, Wellington had taken up with a series of mistresses, one of whom threatened to embarrass him by publishing her memoirs. He was then made Prime Minister some said the worst prime minister in british history a staunchly conservative opponent of the 1830 reform movement he became known as the iron duke not for his military reputation but for putting iron shutters on his mansion as protection against rock throwing mobs on september 14 1848 at the age of 83 the iron duke died watching the funeral from her london window marianne now 60 and twice a widow joined prince albert and the nation in mourning the greatest man that England ever knew. She may not have known that every day since she'd given it to him 30 years before, he'd worn her miniature, or that it was with him when he died. But this granddaughter of a Maryland revolutionary, who had won the heart of Britain's greatest hero, surely did know that the old soldier had captured hers, too.